Welcome to this podcast by Global Church. We are a church planting movement wanting to reach cities from here to everywhere, one to everyone. If you want to find out more information, check out our website on www.globalchurch.co.uk. When you're going to live a large life, what happens is it's like having to blow up a balloon. Who's ever tried to blow up a balloon that wouldn't be blown up? And you blow into it and the wax comes out your ears because it's not budging, isn't that balloon? So eventually, it goes, and you think, yes, like you've had a big victory. And it's fantastic, yeah? That resistance, that balloon is like the resistance that you'll find when you start to try and live a bigger life. Here's a challenge that came to me years ago from this church leader, big mega church, and, uh, and he said, some of you just need to go to the most expensive coffee shop or hotel and buy an expensive latte. And so I did. And it cost me five quid. And I could have made it at home for next to nothing. I had a coffee machine and all that lot. But you see, you go and you have to feel the pain of increase. And you've got to break through because otherwise you will limit yourself. We can always do things cheaper. That's, that's not the issue when you're growing a bigger life. Let's just say you're growing a bigger life and, uh, and you want to have a baby. Let's just say you can't have a baby, but somebody else has a baby. You go and buy them something. What are you doing? You're sewing away from yourself. And you're sewing into somebody else's dream. And you're doing it and you say, well, it's selfish because really I'm sewing because I want something. And I'm saying, that's how the kingdom of heaven works. You, what you make happen for others, God makes happen for you. And it's not, it doesn't happen automatically. People do it and then nothing happens. And they say, well, what's God done for me? And, and we have a short memory sometimes what God has done for us. If he never did anything else, he saved us from sin and death. But there's more. There's always more with God. And um, so we talk about sewing away. Sometimes you want to start a business, but you, you get a pile of money together and you sew it into somebody else that's starting a business. And I'm going to teach you about these principles because that is what activates the promises. And I've been talking this morning about the promises of God. And first of all, we've got to know them. So that's why we come and find what's in the Bible. And then we have to learn how to believe them and believe them so much that we then move to activating the promises. And that comes by giving. And you'll find that. That's we have a slogan, we live to give. And when you start to see how it works in the kingdom of heaven, it, you, you almost treat it like a slot machine. You think, well, if this works, let's keep going. Right? And, and then what happens is God withholds sometimes. Why does he withhold? It's because we go back to our old, nasty, little selves. Anyone know what I'm on about? Why, I don't want to look at anybody. If I had a mirror, I'd put it up and let you look at yourself. If I had a mirror, I'd look at myself. You see, preachers like me know what we're talking about because we know, we live it. The good, the bad, and the... Exactly. Thanks for joining in. You don't have to, it doesn't have to be as loud, just share, just share. All right. But you see, the good, the bad, and the ugly of our lives. And then the promises get withheld because we've gone back into our flesh, into the natural ways. Well, I can't believe I've been overlooked for leadership. I can't believe they've said this. I can't believe they've done that. And you think, it were only a few months ago that you were thankful to God for your life. It was only a few months ago that you were thankful that you'd found forgiveness in Jesus. 
and we soon forget. If you read the letters, Paul is constantly reminding new Christians about who they are in Christ and what Jesus has done for them. It gets boring after a bit because it's so repetitive. But we forget as human beings. And so God puts a block on it. Who's ever had a kid where you buy them a, a Christmas present or a birthday present and they whiz it, they don't want it? And you think, you ungrateful little Torag. And they don't get to open any more presents until they really enjoy that one for the next 10 years. When you go back into your old self, that's what happens. The, the ingratitude comes out. And so God withholds, not because he's, he's stingy or anything, but he's calling you to grow up. Because if, he, if he's going to start to do big miracles in your life, you've got to learn, you've got to be able to handle them. I was saying this morning as well, God says, I know the plans that I have for you. And we trip that out in churches, but they're only plans. I, I was near St. Peter's, sorry, St. Paul's Cathedral the, uh, uh, last week. St. Paul's Cathedral, was it William Penn who was the architect? He gets the applause for building it. He, he, never, even, he never made a mix and he never laid a brick. But he gets the applause, why? Because he made the plans and he oversaw everything, yeah? And he was the, he, he was the architect. But they're only plans. And then plans remain plans and nothing else until somebody starts to build. And so God has a plan for your life, but you have now to build in cooperation with the Holy Spirit. That's why you can't really copy somebody else. Because what's your plan? We all come to Christ at, at different points. I came to Christ, I didn't have any kids. And I could well have done, because I was promiscuous, I could have had kids all over the show. So far, so good, I've heard nothing. <laughs> right? So that's brilliant. So I... I I, 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 well, some of you, you've come with kids already. And then you find Christ, and then you think, I could do be an husband now. And then you read by him, you're thinking, have I done it wrong way around here? What's, what's going on here? You're not smiling, it's meant to be funny. <laughs> so we all start, and then you can look at somebody who's, who's flying, you're thinking, well, God doesn't like me because, well, you know, look at my situation. I've done it wrong, so he's going to bless them. And... You know, if there's any crumbs left, I'll, I'll maybe get some. He said, we don't think like that. Yes, you do. We all do. We think they're better than us. And it's not true. It's whoever's believing the promises. You didn't see Andy and Anna when I saw them, when I was training them to believe the promises. And now they believe the promises. They were knocking walls through, to, to, you, you know, in, a, in an old school. And they felt like their nursery was the worst. And they kept saying, yes, we're, we're into excellence. <laughs> and I said keep saying it you'll get there um, excellence is doing the best with what you have and I was going into a room I'm saying cut an hole in that wall make a doorway there and you can do this so anyway they got the council round I, I'm only joking when it comes to anything like that money or theology I am, I am conservative right I'm middle of the road I might seem a little woo in a little way but I'm middle of the road Anyway, they got going. And after a while, that, that room got full. And, I, and, and then you go through the corridor to some, you know, toilets. The toilets were that big. You could have, had a, you could have built a bungalow in them. And, and then there's another room at the other side. I said, why don't you turn the other room into another classroom? And they're thinking, yeah, but it costs so much for, for workers. And, and we, you know, we haven't quite got enough for a second room. I said, you won't have. You've got to walk into emptiness and fill it with your faith. They're looking at me as if to say, do you never sleep? So I don't, I never slumber in sleep. And then they went into the second room and that got filled. I'd love to say God filled it, but he didn't, they filled it. Yeah? yeah? I want you to know it's just hard work, that's all it is. And you're full of fear. 
And they, they did that second room. And then I pushed them into a third room and a fourth room. And then they, by the fifth one, they said, don't bother with ringing Dave. We'll, we'll just get on with it. We know what he's going to say. Because he used to say to me, could you come and have a look at this room? We're just wondering, what do you think? And I'm going, it's a no-brainer. Of course you should. Living a larger life. And you start with fear. You walk in fear. You eat fear for your breakfast after a while. And, you know, fear is something you've just got to feel it, but do it anyway. And, and you know something, you're not more than a conqueror until you've conquered something. And I want to walk you through God's promises. And we need promises in our marriages. I know that you women are looking at me thinking, it must be a dream to be married to him. And you're almost right. <laughs> and all the fellas are looking at each other going, we know what you're putting up with. <laughs> you have to work at it. Do you think there's, there's any times when me and Shelley have gone to bed and not wanted to be in the same bed? We vibe we'd never sleep on the couch. But I'm just, I'm just saying, were you sleeping cheek to cheek? And I don't mean cheek to cheek. I mean cheek to cheek. Because you're not talking. You can't resolve the issue. Um, we have to learn some things. And there's promises. And there's also commands from God. What about this one from God? Don't let the sun go down on your anger. That's one for the men. <laughs> If I can do what I want, you can. But the blessing's withheld until you mature. Because you can't handle the blessing. Peter says this, if you don't treat your wife well, your prayers will not be answered. Anybody come for condemnation tonight? <laughs> I'm just saying, when you start to get to know it, you start to, you want to do right, not just because you think I'm, I'm a good boy. You, you're like saying, no, I want to do it God's way. Because God's way brings blessing. My way brings destruction. We've been with people this afternoon and, you know, they've been together for 12 years and the thing's just going pear-shaped. And, uh, again, they don't want God's word, God's way. Well, at least one of them doesn't. And it's, and it's what a waste of 12 years. What a waste. But we will be stubborn. And so I want a church that knows, it's not that we don't have feelings, but knows that I can't just trust my feelings and my senses if it's in God's word. And my, one of my favorite scriptures, it's my baptism verse, and it's Philippians 1 6, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will bring it to completion. How many of you have had ideas about a business, starting a business, and you've thought about it, you had a little go, you got burnt, and you've backed right off? Or a situation, or oh, just didn't have the money. Duh, you're never going to have the money. You start the business. Well, I can't because I've no money. And I know what you mean. But you've just got to start the business. Yeah, but I've no money. I know. So is how you start a business when you haven't got the money. You start behaving like uh, the, the job that you want. So I started to behave like a, a property developer. This is how I did it. I went in with my tracky bottoms on, cycled in from Aikham, rucksack on my back, walked into the estate agent saying... Uh, I, I, I think I'm, I'm looking for some properties. And how much do you, do you want to spend? And I went, not a lot. <laughs> and they said, we won't be a minute. They took 10 minutes. In fact, it took them 10 minutes to get out to see me when they saw me with tracky bottoms on and trainers. <laughs> be careful, you lay an egg. Anyway, <laughs> it took them ages to serve me. So I listened to how the other people came in. And they started to, to use the language. I didn't have the language. So I heard it. And this guy said, well, my ceiling is this. I thought, that is beautiful. So I went out, 
and I left it for a week and I came back in with a, a, a dark overcoat on, shirt and tie, some nice polished shoes and a briefcase. When I walked in, there were like fleas around the honeypot coming around to me and I, I hadn't got a penny, right? What was the difference between before and now? It's just the way I presented myself. And he goes, um, so what's your ceiling? I said, ceiling probably about, and I told him what it was, 30 quid. <laughs> no, I said, ceiling, I went way above anything that I could imagine. I said, my ceiling's about 250, 300. And they went, right, yeah, oh, very good, very good. Would you like a coffee? Honestly, it was Hunter's. I went into there and I said, would you like a coffee? And I nearly said, I'll have a cream bun with it. I thought, no, Dave, we're not a joker, we're serious. Can you see the difference? I'm having to change. Now's not a time to be funny. Now's a time to be like a businessman. I haven't got a penny to my name, but I'm going in and now I'm starting to live the way that I want to go. And isn't it funny? Within three years of buying a house in York, I didn't know this, but I would sell it and make £100,000 within three years. And I nearly didn't buy the house because I thought, I was like selling my soul to the devil to, to go that, you know, that much into debt. It was £85,000 was that house. And I sold it for 100 and odd, almost 200. Um, so it's like, so we met. And you said, well, you've done really well. No, that wasn't about me. And, and other people would say, that wasn't God. That was just the uh, credit crunch going up. Uh, well, before the credit crunch, highly inflated prices doesn't really matter because I wasn't thinking that. I didn't know that it would make that kind of money. I was just obedient to the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit speaks to you, you don't know it's him. It's just a thought. But it sounds like your thought. And so you think, is it me or is it you? Should I buy this house? Should I not buy this house? Should I go with this? Should I not go with this? And after we prayed, I did the sums and I thought, it's only 50 quid a month more to buy the house than renting. So let's buy the house. But what if the prices, what if the interest rates go up? Sell a V. And we stepped out in faith. Three years later, there's £100,000 given to me, ready to start buying properties. And now I've got £1.3 million, soon to be £1.6 million worth of properties. It's beautiful. And eventually, that will double in price. And me and Shelley, you won't see us for dust. <laughs> Good night. God bless. <laughs> see you in heaven. Joking-ish. So, so you know the story then of the 12 spies that went into the promised land that God had promised them, a, a land flowing with milk and honey, a land of plenty. That's what God's got lined up for you and me, a land of plenty. When you read it in the Old Testament, you don't think, well, it's just a story because they walked into a land. God hasn't got a land for me. Of course he has. It's important where you live. Geography decides your um, supply from God. And God, God had to move, what's he called? Elijah from the stream, it says, and the brook dried up. That was God's provision, that stream, in a, in a time of drought. And God provided through a, a, a one-parent family in Zarephath. And God had to say to Elijah, you've got to move from there to there because that's where your provision's coming now. Clevedix will turn around and say, well, I think God could provide it for him there. Yeah, God can do anything, but you've got to hear the instruction of his voice. And when he says move, so when you've moved to York, you've done a good thing. If you've lived in York, you think, I'm thinking of moving somewhere else. Think about it. Think deeply. Why? Because if God's providing, stay put. Yeah? When everything dries up around you, that's different. It doesn't mean that you have to move, but you've got to ask some questions. And uh, anyway... So the guys go in, 
they spy out the land and they bring back those grapes. Remember them grapes from last week? They're still in Bible this week. And uh, grapes represented, you know, the wine that gladdens the heart of man. And God was saying through those grapes, it's, it's, it's symbolic. He's saying through those grapes, times of celebration are coming your way. You've lived in misery. You've lived with not enough. And God wants to take you through not enough into just enough and then into more than enough. Why does he do it that way? It's so that when you get more than enough, you'll appreciate it. God looks for appreciation. In fact, thanking God and appreciating things is the seed for increase. If you want more, start thanking God for what you've got. So you, don't, you don't need money. You need vision. That's what you need to enlarge your life. It's vision you need. What is it you want to do? The moment you see it, your fears will come and say, I could never do that. I'm not bright enough. I'm not skilled enough. I haven't got the money. And I want to say, if you'll ignore them voices, because they're not God's, and start to believe God's promises about you. Yeah? yeah? That you are forgiven. That you are a child of God. Child of God. Think about that. So let me put it another way, somewhere that you can understand. You are a child of the richest Arab going in the world. I can see that really rock your balls there. Can you imi imagine a, an Arab? Yeah? Sorry, I'm doing actions for you so you'll join in. An Arab... What am I saying about that second one? An Arab... There we go. Some of you are still going, I don't know. Has he got worms? So an Arab... The richest Arab... With a massive yacht. Yeah? That probably lives in Dubai. And you're his daughter and you're his son. And then you're thinking of starting a, a, a business. Well, I'm thinking of doing nails and all that. But you know, oof, the rents are like £450 a month. I could never afford that. But your dad's an Arab with the biggest who probably lives in... I like this. This is good. Well done. Oh, aren't we bright? So, that's the nearest I can get to God. He's massive. He's massively rich. But more than that, he's massively generous. Yes. I can't give my sons enough. I just want to keep giving. I keep giving him. My youngest son, he just loves receiving. <laughs> and we've got to learn. I'm teaching you really tonight how to receive from God. That's what I'm trying to... But it's all about his promises. You know, too many people come to church and they sit on the, prem, pro, pro, sit on the premises rather than standing on the promises. Thanks. Oosh. So they come back with these grapes and it took two men to carry a bunch of grapes. That is incredible. God's like saying, what I've got for you is massive. But he said it to them, but as we read the scriptures, he's saying it to us. It's called application. See, these are just stories in the Bible that you tell children, you say, ooh, and David fought Goliath and Goliath came out. <laughs> and David, the little shepherd boy, went, oh my, oh my, what am I going to do? And then he gets his catapult and everyone thinks it's a catapult. He goes, but it wasn't. It was a catapult that you do that with. I bet his dad wasn't an Arab. Anyway, <laughs> just letting you know, right? They're just stories. Like Aesop's fables, if you want, until we apply them to today. And when you apply them, then the word becomes prophetic. That means it's God speaking now to you. So you can see I'm animated because I know what God's saying to us as a church. He's saying there's grapes all over. And we're all going, 
oh, are they? It's like, I don't get it. <laughs> it's a bit like saying I'm forgiven and I'm free. And everyone puts their hand up and you're like, yeah, I'm forgiven, I'm free. Am I? Am I? Am I free? What am I free from? Until you start to get it, yeah? And you think, I'm free from my bad habits, my bad attitude. I've been a bad, ass, a bad uh, 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 asker of questions. So you've, you've got all that going on, yeah? And then you start, to, no, I am free. And I'm free to believe now, whereas before I couldn't believe. I wanted to, but I couldn't. There was something stopping me. And I broke through and now I believe. And it's the same with these stories. When God's got grapes on his mind, for the people of Israel, he's got celebration. They drank dirty water for years. And now it's not just clean water they're going to get. They're going to get wine. And wine's there for celebrating life. And God wants us to celebrate life. We do every Thursday night. I keep trying to set everyone. It's only a dinner party. Go, 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 go. Can we have shots at the dinner party saying? But you see, celebration is part of, you, you celebrate victories. You sell, so God's got victory on his mind. Can you see? When you apply it, now then, what's stopping you from going to the next level in your job? What's stopping you? What's stopping you from getting a job? What's stopping you from starting a business? Because God's got celebration on his mind. He's got promotion on his mind. There's a great scripture. It's in the Psalms and it says this. Promotion comes not from the east or the west or from the south. Or your supervisor. It doesn't say supervisor. I added that on. Promotion comes from God. And when we start to stand on his promises, we get promoted in life. It's funny. You know, we don't talk a lot about, you know, oh, you have to get married and stuff like that when you come to glory. We just said, just come as you are. God accepts you as you are. We accept you as you are. But as you walk with God, you'll find that his word is better than your ideas. So I'm not bothered about my ideas. I'm bothered about his word. Because his word will stand even when the heavens and the earth are finished. And we have a new heaven and a new earth. His word will still be there. It's eternal. And when God tells us to do something, it's for our best. And so... So when I, when I see people then, they, you know, they're in church for a while and then they get married, then sometimes they're doing it just to, like, just to copy. But some do it because they're convinced and they're saying, you know what, it's time. And, and you're stepping into God's future and that's awesome. It's like getting baptised. It's time. And you know that you should and then you, you, you make that step of faith. When God starts to see you being obedient to his word, he pours out blessings. So now then, the guys in the Bible says, we don't want to go into the promised land, it's full of giants. But the positive guys who had the eye of faith, they said, if it's full of giants, it must be full of giant possibilities. Can you see the difference? You are not going to make more money. You are not going to have a better job until you step out into the area and the arena that's bigger than you. And you do feel small. And it's a bit like, Learning the piano. Is it, is it, in the piano, is it eight keys, eight basic keys? Um, or is it ten? Is it eight? I thought it were eight. When I was smashing a piano up, I thought it were eight notes that I was smashing. But there are eight notes played at different ways. But it's still, really, you've got eight, eight notes, eight basic notes, right? Now then, when, when you're learning in life, it's like you're on naught to ten when you're a five-year-old, say. But when you're a six-year-old and you're learning 
higher maths and higher English, it's like you've got to go up a level. And now it's, you're 11 to 20. But you see, when you're on that bottom rung and you're, you get up to 10, you're the top dog. You're like, you get, I get the maths. It's so good, is this? I'm enjoying it now. I struggled when I were a naught and a one, but now I'm really getting it. And then you go to the next level and you're, you're number 11. It's like going back to one again, but, but you're on an higher level. But you feel that insecurity until you get good at living at life at that level. And then you become a 20. And then God promotes you to 21. It's like, oh, dang. Why do I feel all insecure all of a sudden? Because you've gone to another level of living. And the stakes are higher. And then you, you, you live at that level. And then you get to 31. And, it, you know, I love the end of a level because I'm really confident. And then you get to the next level. You think, I don't think I can do this. I don't know how long I can do this. Don't know whether I can. And you know, when we were going through the credit crunch, I was—I I felt like I were a number one all the way through, and totally, totally out of my depth. And I was sharing this morning. I paid back. Well, we paid back seven hundred and fifty thousand pounds to the banks. That's an achievement. They should give me a degree and a doctorate for that. That's faithfulness. That's faithfulness. But I'm just saying, people will come against you. Your own mind will come against you. But the Bible says this. All, it says this, um, that we have been blessed with every blessing in Christ Jesus. Uh, God has blessed us. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every blessing in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. And it's those, it's those blessings that are invisible. And I was saying this morning, there's that many blessings in the heavenlies, there's not enough room on the earth for them to become physical. And you say, well, why would God do that? What a waste. No, God's so generous. Yeah. He's so generous. If every blessing had to become physical and manifest itself, God would have to put an extension onto planet Earth and call it Darwin B. <laughs> Fantastic. We've got to move on from asking for small stuff. We've got to learn that God says in Psalm 2, ask of me and I will give you the nations. That's massive. Imagine God giving us York where everybody became a believer in York. What an amazing thing that would be. You know, in Britain, when the Wesleys died, they started a, a church called the Methodists. And the Methodists, when John Wesley died and his brother Charles, they had something like 30,000 people in the church. I thought there was like gazillions, but there wasn't 30,000, that's all. I mean, just one Hillsong's church has got 30,000 in, in Australia. But this was like churches dotted all over Britain that called themselves Methodists. And they sent missionaries all around the world. I go to Africa now and there's Methodist churches that are massive in Africa. And they think the Methodists in Britain are massive. They think, well, how amazing your country is. You're all believers. And I'm like, not, qu not quite. And how's the Methodist church doing? I'm thinking, well, it's dead. It's gone. It's all carpet factories now are the churches. It's gone. It, and yet for that, from that small group, they believed God to send the gospel around the world. And I want to instill that in us as global. Spreading the gospel around the world. But you know that's going to take finances. Ben and Lynn living in London. They thought that their, their mortgage up here was massive. And now they're renting in London. And it's double what they were paying up here. And they were, they were struggling when they were up here. And what does God do? When they first got down there, Lynn couldn't get a job. And she's a doctor. She's a bright girl. And I said, well, is there not a pickle factory or something like that you can join? <laughs> Eventually, she's got a full-time job. 
right? Ben gets promotion after promotion after promotion. And he's having to say to him, I am only going to work in wherever he's working, I forget. Um, but they want him to work all over the world and, and travel all over the world. And he goes, I'm planting a church in London. And they went, all right then. And they, he gave me his card the other day. You know, it's got, you know, you know he's there to uh, Theresa May's cabinet or something like that. Or Dave Shore can get in number 10 down in street. I forget what it is. Um, and it's amazing because Ben's environment is making sure we don't flood and all that kind of stuff. You know, him and Tom have worked in there. Uh, Joe, Joe's another one. They're all there keeping us safe. <laughs> I've cut on a Friday night. I'm thinking, I hope, I hope we're safe as a nation. Are you dancing, Dave? And I'm like, Joe, Joe, are we safe? That's what I want to know. She doesn't say that. She goes, Dave, you can't dance for toffee. So try me, give me a sweet. <laughs> anyway. Let me finish with this. We've got to get used to living and believing in the invisible. And it's a tough one because we are slaves to tangible. If we can touch it, it's real. And I want to say that's true, but it's not the whole truth. The invisible is more real than the visible. The visible comes out of the invisible. And I gave an illustration last week because I've lost most of you there. You're like, you're going into metaphysics and all that. I know I'm quite aware of that actually. Walt Disney got his plans for Disneyland. Yeah? And he died of cancer before they've completed it. And somebody says to his wife on open day, it's a shame that Walt couldn't see this. And she goes, he did. He drew it. He could see it. We couldn't see it, but he could see it. And then, according to the plans, they built it. And visionaries see it. And, and you know, we've got to get used to the invisible. Seeing the invisible. Believing the incredible. And attempting the impossible. It's great phrases. Powerful sermons. You know, see the invisible. Believe the incredible. Attempt the impossible. I want to be like that. Well, it starts now. So what job do you want? Yeah? What kind of house do you want to live in? These are just the preliminaries. This is to get you going. Because this is like all about you. But I want to, once we've done that, I want to get it to be about them. Yeah? So, but we've got, to, we've got to prove it for ourselves. So the house I'm living in, that this is, I'm speaking now like you should speak, the house I'm living in is full of miracles. I could never have got this place. Who's ever been to Andy and Anna's house? Who liked that house? I go in and I'm like, yeah, it's all right, I suppose. I got, I got toilet and I'm digging tiles off walls. I think I'll put pain in the world. Block the toilets up. No, I'm just saying. So who'd like it? We'd, you know, we'd love it. Yeah, who'd love to have a, a business right outside of your house? that's like chucking money your way even when you don't want it to you're like stop and it ignores you keeps chucking money your freaking way who'd like that just put your hand up if you'd like it because you've got to break out to cool because also like well I don't want a lot I just want enough to get by shut up you don't want enough to get by that's just selfish we want enough to pour into other people's lives that's what we want we want more than enough so I'm not speaking to greed for anybody tonight who's thinking, he's like telling us to be greedy. No, no, no. That comes from another system. It's called this world's system and the flesh and the devil. It comes from that world. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the kingdom of heaven that's full of resources 
and we live like poor beggars in the kingdom of heaven. And I'm tired of it for you. I'm tired of it for me, but I'm tired of it for you. My life has changed so much in the last 10, 15 years. But I've stepped out in faith and I've started to prove the promises. And you've got to do the same. And your life will grow. It will grow. And some of you, you want partners in life and they're not coming your way. Try something else. Go, on, go to the Holy Spirit and say, what do I need to do? Because you might, be, you might be praying, you might be fasting and doing all them kind of things. And the Holy Spirit might say, buy a navy blue and white polka dress dress. And then John would say, but I wouldn't suit me, Lord. <laughs> the dynamic equivalent, John. Polka dot tie. No, he, he could, you don't know what the Holy Spirit's going to say. I walked into the Biltmore. Let me, do, let, let me finish with this. You know me, I'm an evangelist. I walked into the Biltmore on uh, Saturday night, only because John asked me to come. I, wouldn't, I was ready to go. To, I was having my cocoa. And he says, I'm in the Biltmore if you want to come. So we went in Biltmore. And I'm wondering, I don't know what's going to happen, but I know wherever I go, God's going to use me because I've surrendered my life. Just say that to yourself. I've surrendered my life. When you surrender it, that means you're his 24-7, even when it doesn't suit. When you surrender to God and you've given your life to him, we're, there, we're on mission for him. But he wants to be the supplier for the mission, for the whole thing. And he wants to give you the desires of your heart. Why? Because you will not stop talking about it. You'll tell so many other people about it. You know, we've just bought a house in France. We're just buying a house in, in York, hopefully, but I think we're going to get it. And then somebody told me cancer were attacking me. I think I haven't got time for that silliness. I want a church that's not just blessed themselves, but spills the blessing over so that others get it and they're going, why are you so happy? Why have you got peace? How did you get all this? From the team here at Global Church, thank you for listening to this podcast. Please check out our other messages available on the website, 